what we do want to do is get to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline and be uh, joined by a gentleman. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to have him on our program before and whose uh, work is uh, greatly admired and respected. That's Jerry Palmy. Uh, Jerry Palm, who handles, uh, you know, not only the uh, what I was talking about in terms of the bracketological prognostications, but also what's going on with college football playoff. I'm proud of that BCS. And he joins us now. Jerry, I appreciate the time. Uh, how are you this morning as we are, what, uh, heading headlong into the meat and potatoes of championship week? Yeah, um, I'm great. How are you guys? Great. Great to have you with us. And uh, I know that uh, this is a, a thing. I, I thought you had a really interesting article, uh, uh, you know, that, that came out yesterday about these conference tournaments. And uh, most folks seem to uh, think about conference tournaments uh, either in, in one of two contexts, I guess. The, the one-bid leagues, uh, the, you know, the mid-majors, can they get in? And then a chance for uh, some of the, the teams in the, uh, in the Power Six leagues to kind of polish the apple a little bit for the teacher and say, this is what we've, we've got. And I thought it was interesting what you wrote about uh, how – uh, this is the last chance for some of these. What really stands out to you? Is it a is it a big difference with what you've seen in some recent years with regard to those Power Six schools who are uh, at or below the middle of their conference standings, trying to impress the NCAA tournament selection committee? Has the dynamic changed any with that, or is it still pretty much uh, status quo? Well, I mean, certainly for the teams that are near the cut line of the NCAA tournament, you know, in or out, um, that doesn't really change uh, year to year. Um, You might see variance in some of the quality of some of the teams, but, you know, in general, you know, those are teams that have had hit and miss seasons, and that's why they are where they are. I think the thing that's different uh, this year is that not any of the number one seeds are definitely going to be number one seeds yeah. uh, come selection Sunday. Uh, I would think with the possible exception of Kansas, I, I don't know how Kansas could not be a number one seed with the kind of year that they had, uh, not just in the league, uh, which, you know, where they're picking up quad one wins every time they take the floor almost, but also, you know, with their usual good non-conference schedule and performance as well. Uh, I would think that Kansas has got to be a number one seed, and I, I think they should be the overall number one, but we'll see what the committee thinks. But, you know, Alabama, Houston, Purdue have work to do. You've got teams like UCLA, maybe Texas, chasing the top of the bracket. Um, so, you know, the, the uncertainty at the top is different uh, because most of the time you can pick out like a couple of teams that you that have dominated college basketball over the course of the season. You just know. Those teams are not just going to be number one seeds. They're going to be the top two or three in the bracket. And you can pencil them into at least the Sweet 16 or maybe further because they're so much better that they aren't going to see a team that can actually beat them until they get at least that far in the tournament. You, you kind of addressed one question I was going to have for you, Jerry. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving today to go up to broadcast the Texas games, obviously, in the tournament. But I want to start with Kansas. Uh, how close are they? Are they in position A to B in your mind? the number one overall seed, do they have to do some work to retain that one seed if that's a situation? And who do you feel is in the best position to unseat them if Kansas is unable to fulfill it and, and wind up as the number one overall seed? Well, you know, you have to keep in mind that this is a subjective process. It's guided by all of this objective data. I mean, Kansas is sitting there right now today with 15 
quadrant one wins. And and they're not just conference games. You know, I mean, the conference has given them a, a lot of opportunities. But Kentucky, Duke, you know, those are quad one wins. Indiana is a quad one win. You know, so, you know, they played a good non-conference schedule, too, and took advantage of it. The The team with the most quad one wins outside of the of the Big 12, uh, you've got Purdue with nine and Alabama with nine. You know, so Kansas is sitting there at 15, and if they pick up more, you know, they could end up with 18 quad one wins at the end of this season. That's just tremendous. Um, they're, uh, I, I don't know that what Kansas has to do to, to stay on the top line of the bracket other than just keep winning. If Kansas wins this conference tournament, I can't see any way you deny them the overall number one seed. But their challengers are primarily um, Houston – Alabama and Purdue, but I don't see really, I mean, Houston is a total subjective thing. They're the number one team in all of the metrics. And if the committee likes that, or just looks at that team and thinks they're very good and should be the number one team, then that, that would be it. But it would, it would be a subjective evaluation. There's no way Houston can match up resumes with any of these teams actually. Yeah. Uh, and and that the follow-up I was going to ask about Houston, I've, I've noticed the numbers that you put in there. Their strength of schedule is 48 as opposed to Kansas being one, Alabama two, even Purdue 31, and their non-conference strength of schedule is 78 as well. So if we were to follow along the subjective line that you're talking about and Kansas, say, uh, winds up you know, going up, uh, belly up for whatever reason in the first round or the quarterfinal round of the Big 12 tournament, is there a path for Houston to be the number one seed, or would that be more in the hands of Alabama and Purdue? Well, no, I mean, you know, the committee liked Houston. They they liked them on February 18th when they released their top 16. They may still like they haven't lost since. You know, if they win their conference tournament, they'll be, you know, one of those teams that they're talking about. Uh, Alabama and Purdue also, you know, winning in their conference tournaments would have a case too. So it, it's that's and that's the thing that makes this year so different is that it's not clear. Not even the overall number one is clear at this point, and that's what makes this um, this tournament week, you know, much more interesting than in other years because you know there's five or six teams that have a chance to play their way onto that line still, and the number one overall seed is. Yeah, uh, which is, uh, and we're visiting with Jerry Palm, obviously, from CBS to talk about uh, uh, the uh, NCAA bracket and the bracketology now, uh, which brings me to Texas. I know a lot of Longhorn fans listening here are curious to your thoughts. You have them as uh, uh, the number two, I guess, uh, uh, overall number two seed behind, ironically, Marquette, coached by former Longhorn head coach Shaka Smart. And then you have Gonzaga, who Texas beat this year, and UCLA on the two line as well. What's your, what's your overall take on the Longhorns, and uh, do they do they need to win a game in Kansas City to hold the two seed there, or uh, do they do they have a, a at least a slight path to get to a one if they run the table and say beat Kansas in the final? What's your thoughts on the Longhorns? Yeah, I mean that would be the the best case scenario is to run the table and, and beat Kansas. And then they'd have a shot at a one and it might depend on what other teams do. I mean, they're already sitting there with eight losses, which is kind of a big number for what these other teams have, have been doing. But, um, you know, they, they've piled up a, a fair number of, of high quality wins and you're talking about three more. So um, there's certainly a chance for Texas. Uh, there'd be something of a case for them, but I guess it's going to really depend on what happens in these other conference tournaments that they would need a little bit of help to get to the top line of the bracket. Are you uh, 
more fascinated every year with the bubble than the top part of it or what what uh, what really intrigues you most as yes. you as you compile it every year? is it the bubble yeah it is because um you're talking about a lot of teams that are you know, like, relatively equal but in different ways and the top of the bracket's not usually this congested you know the top of the bracket's usually a little more clear so there's a lot more focus on the bottom also, you know, at the bottom of the bracket, you know, you have to be on one side of the cut line just to get to play, right? So, you know, if you can play your way out of a bad seed, but you can't play your way out of not getting selected. So um, the the cut line is always going to, you know, get a lot of attention. But the thing that's different about this year is just the lack of clarity at the top. Uh, you you have Iowa State listed uh, as as a bubble team. Uh, are, are, are the Cyclones? They're not really, though. Yeah. I was going to ask really. you, are they in danger if they if they lose to TCU in the in the quarterfinals? No, I don't think so. I mean, they you know, they had a, a really bad streak there, but they rallied uh, late. And I, I don't think Iowa State's going to miss the tournament. But, you know, it's funny. They, they kicked their third-leading scorer off the team, and then all of a sudden things got better. So, um, you know, we'll see we'll see what they do, but I don't think Iowa State's going to miss the tournament entirely. Another team I want to get your thoughts on is Tennessee. Again, another former uh, Texas coach, Rick Barnes, guiding them, and they were rolling at one point. I remember uh, they uh, you had them. Uh, this is on back several weeks ago. Had them in as a one seed the way things were going, but now they have fallen off lately. They've struggled. You've got them uh, on the four line along with Virginia, Indiana, and Xavier. There. Uh, how about your thoughts on on what Tennessee might need to do in Nashville at the SEC tournament? this week well i mean it you know obviously what you can't really talk about seeding in a vacuum because it's not just about you it's what the teams around you are doing as well and you might think you've done enough to to get to some place and someone else has done better um so you know the best that they can do is just go out and win but you know they're trying to show the committee that they can be um just as good as they had been without their point guard uh kai ziegler is out now for the season and that's a big blow to them um, we'll have to see how they perform here in the conference tournament, but that could actually impact their seed if it doesn't look like to the committee that they're quite as good without it. Final thing I want to ask you, Jerry, let me let me give you three teams, and you tell me which one you think has to do the most work to land in the tournament field. One is a Big 12 school, Oklahoma State. The other are North Carolina and Michigan. How about your thoughts on, on those three? Which of the three really has to do the most work to be able to land in the field? I think Oklahoma State has the toughest path because of who they would have to play. Uh, they're sitting there at 17 and 14, but what, say, the difference between them and West Virginia, other than West Virginia has another win, is that West Virginia only has one loss outside of quad one. That's the quad two loss. Uh, home Texas Tech, I think, the team they're playing today. And then, um, but Oklahoma State's got, you know, three losses outside of quad one, and they've got a bad loss to Southern Illinois. And, you know, they're only 17 and 14 to begin with, so they may have to win twice. And that's that might be asking too much of this team uh, to get in the NCAA tournament. But uh, they, uh, they're they the one with the toughest pass because of the, the games that they have to play to get there. Yeah. I, they, they play Oklahoma, which probably doesn't help them much, but if they win Oklahoma State, then, then they'd play Texas. So I, I guess a win, two wins in Kansas City might, might do it for them, would you think? Uh, maybe I mean you know like like I said the thing the thing about the bubble is you do something that you think is enough and then Cincinnati wins the American Conference tournament and steals your bid yeah so you know 
the, the only the only sure thing is the sure thing. Go out and win it. <laughs> no doubt. He's Jerry Palm, the bracketologist for CBSSports.com. Does an outstanding job of that. J.P. Palm CBS is where you follow him on Twitter, at J.P. Palm CBS. Jerry, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and enjoy the month and enjoy the tournament. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. All right. That's Jerry Palm, CBS Sports.